0: I was in group therapy like a couple months back and I was processing something out loud with some guys and someone looked at me and they go, hey, it's okay if if it fails. I'll still love you. We'll still be here. No one's going to leave you. And I think it hit me like a ton of bricks where I was like, man, so much of this idea is like, I just can't let anybody know that I wasn't who they thought I was.
1: Cheers, brother. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Michael Conrad here with the Business of Homes podcast. Today, we have a unique and a special conversation uh, with my friend Josh here about uh, a subject that is not fun and not easy, but can be incredibly therapeutic to talk about, and that is the failure aspect of the business world, and this is something that we all face in microcosms and macrocosms we face it on a daily basis. And some of us, a few lucky of us, we get to face it uh, in a big picture part of our story. And I've been an entrepreneur for about 10 years and I have had some very identifiable failures and I tend to keep them quiet as many do because it's a hardship that not many understand, or at least it doesn't feel like many understand. And so when I started seeing my friend here, Josh Ellis, talk about failure on a big scale that he was going through and all the little unravelings that come out of that conversation. I knew that this was a story that I was hoping we could talk about. Josh, thanks for being here today.
0: Glad to be here. That was a good (laughs) good way to open it up for sure. I'm excited. Thanks for having me.
1: I know you because we were beginning our careers together in real estate, but neither one of us were satisfied with just staying in one spot. And this idea of venturing out, venturing, really that risk part of venturing, um, was I think burning a hole in both of our pockets. And so when you began to sort of have some ups and downs You know, that was really mirroring a lot of the stuff, interestingly enough, that I was going through. And so I'm hoping that you can maybe not go back to the beginning, but at least put me somewhere in the middle where we've started off, we've changed careers, we're doing all sorts of different things. And then, uh oh, there's a bump in the road.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I grew up watching my parents build a company. So I was no stranger to seeing the highs and the lows. And instead of it being something that, uh was exclusive of each other like you're either winning or you're losing it was the understanding that they're always happening at the same time meaning the business has highs and lows but i think understanding that that is part of the flow and and welcoming it rather than trying to avoid like i'm going to do everything at all costs for things not to go bad i don't think that's that the right approach i think it's understanding that things are going to go bad as part of the process um, and so early on I got to see that in my father's business, uh, both going from this pinnacle of success moment with multiple dealerships in Franklin to multiple rental properties, seeing like this picture perfect, I guess, version of a successful business quickly go bankrupt over the course of about twelve to eighteen months. I was working full time in that. So that really opened my eyes to like, hey, this is not, this isn't something that doesn't exist in the process of being an entrepreneur. It's actually part of the journey. And I think there was a lot of shame and I guess maybe some guilt when my family was going through that. And I also understood that, well, that's not healthy either. So I stopped looking at failure as like, man, I have, I have to have some, some guilt and some shame. What will people think? It's like, I'm out here trying. And this is part of the story, right? So I think one of the early challenges uh, for me was my family experiencing that cause I was gonna take that business over. So there I was, did not go to college, working on the car lot from age 15 to 19. And then all of a sudden that whole thing collapsed. So I think I got a real taste of it early on of, of both sides, the high and the low. And I think that allowed me as I stepped in my own journey To really understand that you know, the lows are not necessarily the thing you want to avoid most. You change on the other side of your most difficult seasons Hmm. more than you change on the other side of the easiest seasons. So for me, I started embracing it. Being like, man, today I feel like we won. And then the next day I get my teeth busted in. I'd have more to say about getting my teeth busted in than I would being able to say man look how we want in our business. And the other thing I realize is it's people connect during hardship, fear, difficulty, anxiety cuz we all speak that language and we all have versions of those emotions in our story. We connect more there than we do sitting around talking about how good we are mm-hmm. and how good our business is doing. If I sat here and bragged or had an ego mentality or just maybe those things weren't there, but I just was talking to you about all these great things in my life. There's a chance you might feel lonely in that conversation or just not as connected to me. Yeah. But if I sit here and I go, dude, these are all these insanely challenging things I'm going through in my life right now, whether that's personally or professionally, you're going to be able to lean in more so and connect to that and be like, man, I, I just went through that season or I'm in that season too. And so for me, I've decided to like make all versions of the journey, the co-pilot versus just showing all the successes. Cause I feel like it connects people when I bring them behind the scene.
1: That complexity where it is not one or the other, it's not even sequential Mm. where like, I think that's what you get this impression of sometimes, like in the journey of being in business, you're going to have highs. You're going to have lows. That statement itself has a sequential sort of energy to it where you think, well, it's not a matter of if something bad is going to happen to me. It's a matter of when. And maybe you can begin to embrace that. But the even greater complexity that I think we're driving at here is that it is concurrent. And that knowing that the journey itself has both high and low moments allows them to coexist. Mm -hmm. And I mean, look at any part of a business that anyone here listening is part of. You're going to have moments where you're identifiably succeeding and areas where you're continuing to struggle. And the bigger your company gets, which is a measure of some other people's success, the more disparate the Mm. parts of that business can become and the more chance for wide varieties of micro successes and micro failures to take Mm -hmm. place. That connection, and we've talked on this podcast before about how innovation continues to be just this incredible, difficult taskmaster that requires you always always be reinventing the new but it also is the way out of these low moments and, and the learning. I, it's so easy for us as humans to identify with those low moments each other, but we just, we, we just rue the day of revealing yeah. that to everyone else. And so you know, some of the folks listening here might be people that have started in real estate or in business in some capacity and have already butted up against Roadblocks. Now, help me tease out this idea of a roadblock versus a failure. Because I think sometimes we begin to equate those things. I'm failing, active, I'm failing. No, maybe we're just hitting up against a roadblock versus, no, I have actually have some identifiable failure. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, it's just part of it.
0: Almost looping a roadblock and the sense of failure into just one word. And for me, that word is resistance.
1: Hmm. pushback
0: pushback but i think the gift of it is you get better at understanding when is the resistance not worth resisting when is it too much because sometimes resistance is trying to tell you something like hey this isn't going to be easy keep going other times it's like all right you're taking this too far the rope's about to snap right i think the discernment and the wisdom is kind of Really, I think the trick, and that comes with time. How many times is there, you took the resistance so far, it did snap, and how many times did you let go just before breakthrough? so I, I don't know. some days, I feel like they're all roadblocks, they're all failures. I think it's really what comes from it. To me, it's just resistance. Hmm. And I think, you know, I guess failure for somebody, which I hate that word, but I think it's just the language that is most commonly we can all understand what that means i don't know i i feel like i haven't ever failed enough to recover from so it never feels like a dead end like it didn't feel like we've reached that point a destination a destination it's like man we reached this place we've never been before we've reached this destination it sucks yeah where do we go from here right Um, so I don't, I think when you initially asked it, this thing in me didn't come up like, Oh, that's a roadblock. That'd be failure. I'm like, honestly, it just feels like one lump of resistance. Yeah. And then really my, like I said, a moment ago, it's the level of resistance. What type of resistance is, is this resistance that maybe I'm trying to force something that shouldn't be, what is the resistance telling me? I mean, a lot of times I think you got to go below it and go like, what? when I last was feeling resistance, what did I learn there?
1: That's what ultimately- Get the whiteboard out. It's like there's an equation here somewhere where Mm -hmm. failure is the destination or the end result of a certain set of other factors. And if resistance is the constant, we're always under resistance. We're under market pushback. The innovation of new ideas is always going to have difficulty taking root in the marketplace. New ideas we are resistant to. And so resistance is constant, but then there's the other elements that are the variables. So our reaction to it, what you have extracted or learned from it, mm. and then do you stop? Is there, is there motion that continues or is there a stoppage? And this idea of failure, perhaps that's a true ceasing of action or a ceasing of motion that differentiates it from just that general resistance that we're feeling. But again, one man's failure or resistance is another man's motivation. And so we ourselves are such a big factor in all of this. I would argue that a certain bullheadedness or even naivete, which I think is present in all of us in business and in entrepreneurship, that that is required To just have the cold crank amperage to get out of bed and go do it every day. However, that same thick, thick skulled nature, it can really get you in trouble if you push it too far, if you're pushing beyond where that resistance is, is directing you in your path. That's, that's been something that I struggled with over the last two years. Um, I acquired a company in um, first quarter 21 and it was a company that was outside of my comfort zone. It wasn't my natural state of being It wasn't even a company where at the base level I could do the action. I thought I could overlay experience in business and relationships and sort of bring and draw up this company to like a higher level. And I fought the whole way along because there was just incredible resistance to both trying to reshape a company, but also me entering into a landscape that I didn't have a lot of experience in. And this year, first quarter of this year, almost 24 months to the date, we decided to dissolve. We'd lost customers. We'd lost staff. Uh, we'd lost resources. And right at the very end, when the hey, handwriting was on the wall, all of my trusted people around me were like, Michael, it's time. It's time to call it. I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't make the final call because that giving in and having the motion stop was just, it was very overwhelming of someone who's been grinding on so many other ways for so long.
0: Can I ask you a question? Yeah. (laughs) What was the biggest fear that you believed was going to come by folding up shop? Was it like some shame for yourself or like guilt or like judgment from others or like, man, I just wanted this so bad. Like, what was the thing where you go, if this, if I finally give up, I'm going to have to face X probably losing some money was yeah. one of them but yeah, like certainly whatever. that was
1: like distant third on the list though. yeah
0: right because you're human first so it's like there's a couple other things that are that i feel are gonna ha- i'm gonna to ha- be confronted
1: with right i'm gonna lose some money yes but just out of curiosity okay so there's two big things so this new venture represented legitimacy or perception of legitimacy that i had built a company over 10 years and now I was going to move and start yet another company. And I was going to have two of them. And it was going to be this sort of like verification that it wasn't just a stroke of luck the first time around, Okay, that it was yeah. legitimacy. And then number two, a piece of it, the puzzle was this was an on-ramp into a larger sort of set of options for the future. I was trying to, you know, lay groundwork for yeah. a larger future. And so- shutting off this, you know, pathway was shutting off, at least in perception, you know, a piece of the future. And I'm not sure that's even true, but that's what it felt like. And so losing opportunity, losing legitimacy, going back to potentially being a one hit wonder. And who knows if I'll put out another album and get another hit. (laughs) But, you know, that risk of that that um social shame and social judgment that I don't know if anybody's even watching or caring. But um, yeah, it was the biggest piece of it.
2: Hey, everyone, it's Kyle, producer for the Business of Homes podcast. I hope you have been enjoying today's episode, starting with how failure is part of the journey being an entrepreneur, how Joshua feels struggle is something that brings us all together and Michael's own journey with failure. When we return after the break, Michael and Joshua talk through Joshua's revelation of how others see him in business, the importance of your clarity of vision and how your vision might be rooted in something unhealthy. You don't wanna miss it. Don't forget to subscribe on your preferred listening platform and make sure to follow us on Instagram as well, at the business of homes pod. Do you have any feedback or wanna suggest someone for the show? email us at thebusinessofhomespodcast at gmail.com. Please enjoy the rest of today's episode with Joshua Ellis. You don't want to miss it.
0: I've had days, you know, and things that I've worked on where I'm like, this can't. I think anyone would say this. This can't. I'm never going to stop. This can't fail no matter what. I'm going to go down with the ship, whatever, yeah. right? Everybody will say that probably about the business they're building. Yeah. But I was in group therapy like a couple months back, and I was processing something out loud with some guys, and someone looked at me, and they go, hey, it's okay if, if it fails. Mm. I'll still love you. We'll still be here. No one's going to leave you. And I think it hit me like a ton of bricks where I was like, man, so much of this idea is like, I just can't let anybody know that I wasn't who they thought I was. Yeah. I wasn't able to take this to the finish line, but also it was like, man, there's, they they're not carrying the weight and they don't know all the obstacles. They don't know, like they're just going to see the headline of like Josh Ellis didn't make this work, you know? <laughs> and what I realized is like so much of which can be a healthy side of that is I'm motivated to also do something really well and see it to the finish line. But I was like, man, why am I carrying the expectation of like letting people down or them thinking differently? And I was like, man, it is so interesting to think. That's why I asked that question. It's like the idea of it, of dissolving it. What was the scariest part or what did you think you had to confront? And that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think you're more than a one hit wonder. And I think there's more for sure, yeah. but I was just curious. I mean, I feel like I would probably feel the same way.
1: It's so interesting. When I fall into these stereotypical moments of being the guy that like can't admit defeat or like doesn't want to be perceived wrong, I'm just like, ugh, I'm just a disgusting stereotype right this moment. I just I can't even handle it. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of rise above, rise above all of that and try to get back to like what connects us as humans, like what makes us happy, what makes us tick. Um, yeah. And none of that stuff matters as much, but hearing it firsthand, like you did, you know, that's an incredible reminder that is part of that. I think larger formula of failure and not failing. And that is when you have that consistency of connection and care. And I think the larger real estate community here in this area, certainly the entrepreneur community is always at the ready to be a great safety net, yeah. but also is not natively one. Right. Not natively. Natively, we are all just trying to put up the best possible Instagram photo. Mm. I mean, that's who we are at our caveman core these days. But if you peel back the layers, maybe have a good glass of whiskey in the hand, like you can really drill down to the things that are really important.
0: Yep. You know, it was interesting when you mentioned real estate, I was like, man, what you went through with that business, it's very relatable. There's people that were like, "I'm I'm purchasing this flip. They got the funds together. Yeah. They got the comps. They have you know everything's lined up, and then the deal just goes south. There's a something that you know was missed on title. There's something in the foundation. Like the whole thing, just now it's I got to get out of this house. Right? They're doing everything they can. They're like, "I that one didn't go according to plan." It's the difference then is did they get out of that and then go find another property and take every, all that wisdom, right? Saying, Hey, I need to do a better due diligence. I need to check on this. I'm like, you think about it in your situation. Like if you go to analyze a new business to potentially buy, you're totally a different person walking to that. that. Right. Yeah. And I think that's just very, if anyone's listening, that's had a flip go, go, terribly wrong or just not the way expected, which is probably most people listening to
1: this
0: (laughs) uh, or been involved in something that financially is like, man, we saw it to be this. And it was so far from that. But now I've done eight more since then or 10 more flips since then. I'm like, same thing to me because flipping a property is like a micro business, right? You you acquire it, you add the value, you exit it, you make some money. I know a business is a little bit more so than just buying and flipping a house, but I think the context of one not working should now there's so much value from that, and it's gonna take some moment to for that feeling. You know, you're gonna need some time to let that kind of sting go away. But I promise you, like another opportunity comes, I can actually see you going. I know how to analyze that opportunity now and staying away. Yeah, or that's this might actually be based off what I learned on the last one exactly.
1: My my second hit you know what i mean well and that is a great way to think about it and the flip is probably the ideal analogy because anyone who's watched hgtv and wants to do a flip or anyone who literally flips for a living knows that there is it it occupies a single chapter Mm. it it is a short period of time there is a measurement of success and there's a measurement of time and you're not going to be in that forever you're not gonna be able to ride the coattails of that success forever And so. I don't think we are as good as people. I don't think we're as good as real estate professionals. I don't think we're as good as business owners at thinking about it from a more project oriented sort of way. Like, Oh, this doesn't define me. This is just my first quarter flip where yeah. this is, you know, I'm going to take what I can get out of this and I'm going to move forward and I'm going to leverage, leverage, leverage. There's a lot of conversation in the investment world about like, do a bad flip to learn and break even or even lose money so that you can break even on the next so that you can make money in the next and then like leap, 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 leap. And so it's obviously way different when you're trying to acquire a business that might be a long-term fit or starting a business or just getting your feet wet in real estate. And you're like, I was a teacher, I was a lawyer, I was a construction worker, and now I am a real estate agent. And so this defines me. No, this is probably just what you do now. And we all are subject to change.
0: Well, I'm a strong believer in like, there's so many things when we go into business, whether it's flipping a house or buying and, you know, scaling a business that you purchases, there's just so much out of our control and being able to separate the difference between connecting any sense of identity to that. I think is super important. Like being able to separate yourself from letting that business go and going like, if you were to headline it in your mind, man, I failed at that. I lost some money, kind of feel crappy about it. But I think the reality is like being able to separate and go, there were things that I wasn't able to see. There was people that maybe played a role that led it to this. It's not my, my identity is not, I can't build a second business. I think that's super important is the story and the narrative that we tell ourselves about the thing that didn't mm. work out. Cause there's more than just, it, it wasn't all you. It may feel like it's you. Cause you're like, well, I bought it. I had a plan. It didn't work the way I thought. must be me, but I'm like, but it can't be a part of our identity. Otherwise we take that mindset and it's going to pollute everything that we go into. And so I think it's healthy to separate yourself, anybody from a failure instead of it being so black and white. Like, did we win or did we lose? I'm like, when you're winning, you're going to feel like you're losing some days when you're losing, you're going to have a moment that feels like a win. Like it's,
1: they exist together. Yeah. What's what's funny about this is that identity is this really difficult core that we're sort of drilling down this entire subject because the same people that are even willing to launch out and say, I can do that. I can meet that need. I can provide that value. I can fill that hole. Those same people view themselves as identity. I can do it. I can meet that need. I can serve that group of the population. And so that (laughs) those balls of steel required to have the mental self identity of like, I can do this is also the exact framework that gets you trapped in feeling like your identity is the business. And so it's no surprise that identity and entrepreneurism and like failure are all part of this larger sort of round and round and round conversation because what got us here, the tools and the framework to get us to this place where we can even have a potential business is the same one that can trap us. And I've heard it on so many podcasts, read it in so many books and gotten advice from trusted mentors. Don't let your identity be caught up in business. It's like, well, of course it already is. Yeah. Like, don't let it. Like, that's not an action I have control of. Yep. We're already there.
0: Yep. I can agree with that. And it's it's hard not to, especially when you think about entrepreneurship. In, in some regard, it's like somebody has a vision of something in the future, and they wake up every day and fight to make it a reality.
1: To shape so it. when you ask them,
0: like, hey, you should work less, you're like, the vision's not fulfilled. Right. No. It's like, well... You shouldn't take so much risk, the risk isn't that can't won't that get me there faster? like it you almost become obsessive.
1: I'm pulling the, the risk lever to achieve yeah. the goal. That's a great way to think about it. We only pull the risk levers to either get there faster or to realize the vision at all. We don't do it because no. it feels fun.
0: No, no I would say ninety percent of the time, like I said a little bit ago is. I said this to a buddy the other day. I was like, I feel like some days I'm just tired of fighting. Oh yeah. feels like it's 90% not distraught and like as bad as that sound, but like fighting, swimming upstream and then at something, 10% of it is like getting a hit. Yeah. Just feeling high for a moment on that win. Yeah. And then it goes away. And of course you need your next hit yeah <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think people really understand that's the seductive nature of entrepreneurship is it's not like, you know, when you're working in a job, there's nothing wrong with that, but a lot of it is project-based, quarterly based, annual based. You're going to get paid x to do to comply here, right? And that's fine. But then when you cross that line, a new project is given. I'm like, when you're running a business, there's not really. There is literally no destination other than the vision you had in your mind, which, which evolves 100%. of course hundred percent. And you might get there and be like, and I feel this some days I go, this is everything I ever wanted. Yeah. But when I get here, the vision has grown. It's so much bigger. So you go, well, you think you're going to arrive? No. A lot of times in businesses arriving is it failed. So it's over or somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, I will buy this vision from you, and you're like, okay, I'll sell. Or you hold on to it and you have a growing, healthy company. But generally, like I think sometimes people forget that that the entrepreneur had some vision that now has become so impressed in their mind that until it becomes that, which is an illusion in and of itself. Right. And I that's why I always go, well. Make sure that you're protecting yourself, enjoying it, having fun, like because you're, there's not an arrival. You just keep going. And, and that's why I'm like, you better, better get ready to have your teeth busted in because you're going to start on Monday with a lot of inspiration. And by Wednesday, you're going to be wondering why the heck you got into it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I I'd liken myself sometimes to the grizzled old war veteran who's like blood and, you know, uh, mud all over him, you know, chewing on a stogie kind of a thing. Like, I'm just, I've, I feel like I've seen a lot in real estate. And there's a lot of beatdowns to receive along the way. It's an incredibly volatile um, marketplace. It's a volatile relationship landscape. Um, and at high volume, you know, you can take a few good hits. But that vision, it, it is so imperative that we continue to clarify the vision to avoid that ultimate final resting motion of failure. <laughs> yep. We must evolve our vision by seeking clarity. And my, my wife um, reminds me sometimes that I, I use this phrase, a vision of 12 early on when I was just a single owner operator, I was like, I have a vision of 12 employees with this perfect vision you know, organizational structure and it's going to achieve this sort of like Zen-like amazingness and my whole life is going to be financially and time, freedom, you know, it's going to be wonderful. And I think I got to 12 and we were like, oh yeah, we have like so much further to go. And she's like, what happened to the vision of 12? And so I remind myself that like it evolves over time. And is that because we are seeking that never ending sort of fountain of youth or is it that our vision is evolving to a better clarity point uh-huh. that helps us achieve whatever that ultimate goal was but that i definitely fall into the trappings of the you know ponce de leon fountain of youth where it's always a little bit about of reach and there's always a slightly better organizational structure to, to do or profit margin to hit or whatever it is and so wrestling with like failure of achieving the original vision mm-hmm. or like not being as far as you want can be a difficult sort of little wrestling match i have some thoughts. <laughs> I think knowing where
0: the understanding of where the uh, the vision is actually stemming from. Mm. So you could have a vision, and vision sounds very inspiring and good. Mm, vision, but what if it is rooted in something that isn't healthy? For a long time, I feel like mine was very much rooted in like kind of a, the comparison, the comparison cycle. Of like, well, that's how they're building theirs. We need more. More employees means that we must be doing something right. More revenue must mean that we're going to be have a higher valuation, right? And so I kind of subscribe to this idea of bigger, faster, harder, burn cash at all costs, just make it big. This is not real estate related. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden I found myself going, man, I've got 17 people that I'm paying we're losing a bunch of money and I don't like how I feel. Wasn't this the vision? Hmm. And I was like, well, I don't want that vision anymore because I don't like how it feels. And what I started doing is shifting the vision away from what I think it needed to look at like out here. And I started going, what do I want it to feel like in here? And for me, that was get profitable, feel good when I wake up in the morning reduce anxiety that all like building too fast actually has put me in a place where I don't enjoy this anymore. So the new vision became get like healthy and get more peace in my mind, more peace in the body, go to sleep, thinking less about our problems and thinking more about the opportunity. And so we actually scaled the company backwards, which I was like, well, that doesn't feel like vision because prior vision was all about bigger and more. And then this season that I just went through was like vision was about how I wanted to feel and protecting that. So then I could show up and actually enjoy what we were building. And you know, we scaled back got profitable and it allowed me to be like, Oh, now we're, we're stewarding this business better. We're in a way healthier spot. And investors and different people that analyze businesses used, you know, used to go, okay, you've raised $10 million and you had a $5 million a year. That used to be the exciting thing. Now it feels like the season is you're building something with profitability and you didn't raise a bunch of money. So not only did I listen to myself and go down that route, but also the atmosphere of my industry also started looking at the healthier path. Is more impressive. Yeah. If that makes sense. And so I think to sum that up, what I'm trying to say is understanding the root of the vision is very healthy because I think there's a season where sometimes you may subscribe to someone else's vision, act like it's yours only to get there. And it
1: looks different. So then in that context, failure is only an inflection point. Failure of that original vision that was not yours is only an inflection point that turns you to a more clear vision of what it should be.
0: Well, and that vision may have been you, yours mm-hmm. as an at overlay. that time in your life yeah. with what you knew up to that point and the tools you had. And then a year later, you're like, man, I got my teeth busted in a lot this year. I've changed as a person or the atmosphere of my industry has changed. This actually, with what I know today and what we've been through, this now is the new vision. And so I, th- I say it could be someone else's, but also might be yours at the time of who
1: you were at that point. Man, I feel like I could go down this very therapeutic journey all day long. <laughs> Thank you, Josh, for spending the time with me and um, sort of digging at this thing that I think is, is more near and dear to all of us than anyone's willing to really Sort of discuss. Um, and I hope that anyone listening here will reach out to that network that you already have um, and help seek out those uh, folks that are helping you achieve clarity and sort of push through those resistance places. Thanks for being here. And we will have to have you back on at some point in the future because we didn't even get into all of the other multifaceted parts of you that um, have made up just an interesting businessman that I've known over these years. Um, So we'll have to do that again in the future. Thanks for today. Yep, it was good. Hey
2: everyone, Kyle again, producer of the Business of Homes podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A huge thank you to Joshua Ellis for being part of our original launch. And don't worry, we'll have another episode featuring him soon. Go follow him on Instagram at modern day leader and let him know how much you enjoyed his story don't forget to subscribe on your preferred listening platform and make sure to follow us on Instagram as well at the business of homes pod. Do you have any feedback or want to suggest someone for the show? Email us at the business of homes podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you again soon.